Melania Trump visits Africa, Republican senators and women are being threatened, bullied, and intimidated amidst the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation drama, and a female pro-life activist was frown house kicked by a man on the street corner in broad daylight. All that and more in this week's edition of Problematic Women, a podcast that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of the feminist left. My name is Kelsey Harkness, and I'm a senior news producer with The Daily Signal and visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. And I'm Bree Payton, staff writer over at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. So first, let's get to what's going on over here on the Hill. Uh, the FBI released its supplemental investigation into sexual assault accusations against Brett Kavanaugh. Prospects are overall looking pretty good for his confirmation to the Supreme Court later this week. Earlier today, Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, took to the Senate floor and he was pissed. <laughs> Listen. For goodness sake, this is the United States of America. Nobody is supposed to be guilty until proven innocent. I don't think he's alone in feeling that way. Uh, there were a number of senators who spoke out in support of Brett Kavanaugh, despite the allegations, the uncorroborated allegations uh, brought before him. Bree, what do you think of the fact that these allegations were not corroborated, it appears, according to the GOP, in any way in this FBI investigation? Yeah, I think, honestly, that we were expecting to see that. Something that has been entirely neglected from the conversation is the fact that the Senate Judiciary Committee has the same investigative powers and authority that the FBI does. They have the same security clearances. They have the same tools. They can do the same work. And as a member of the Senate Judiciary, Senator Jeff Flake knew that going into it. So when he pushed for this FBI investigation, he knew exactly what he was doing. And as of right now, as we record this podcast, supposedly he's still waffling even though he's seen this FBI report that he said would definitely put his mind at ease, um, I think it's pretty clear that this was a political show pony from the get-go, which we all knew a week ago. Um, I, but, you know, we'll see how all of this ends up playing out tomorrow and Saturday. It's interesting because there doesn't seem to be much debate about what the FBI reported in this document. Um, the debate is over whether or not they had enough time to do this investigation. Um, but, you know, I do hope that some of this report is made public because I think that this this has just really um, captured the entire nation and people want to be able to decide things for themselves. So I think transparency would be good. But that said, there is good reason for keeping some of this confidential. Uh, some people are sharing things that um, they they did not want to share in public and they might be harmful to certain individuals. So I do respect that there would need to be redactions, uh, but I am hoping that we get to see just a little bit of it. But it'll be telling whether or not it leaks because, um, you know, it seems these days that that documents only leak if they're in Democrats' favors and it doesn't appear this one is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Let's move on to the question of how conservatives are responding, specifically conservative women, because this obviously involves the Me Too debate. So I think women are really central to it. And if you turn on, uh, you know, much of the mainstream media, it seems like in the pictures, the visuals, what you're hearing, women are pretty angry with the outcome. Do you think that's true? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. People are so angry. And Kelsey, you got the opportunity to talk to some of these women Earlier today on Capitol Hill, you know, going to talk to senators whose votes are going to be pivotal, who talked about how Brett Kavanaugh, 
you know, deserves to be confirmed uh, and their experiences with them. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. So this morning I followed a group of more than two dozen women who actually personally know Brett Kavanaugh through different times in their lives. Some of them knew him back from high school. Others knew him in college. Some of them clerk for him. Others are neighbors currently. Uh, really, they, they span the entire uh, life of Brett Kavanaugh, which I think is a huge testament to this man's character uh, that these women are willing to come forward with their faces and enter this really contentious debate, this really ugly debate. Um, you know, I, it was interesting. I was kind of asking them why they are willing to come forward on such a difficult subject, such as sexual assault, um, sexual harassment, hashtag me too. And I got, I, I you know, this, I got into them a little bit about, this podcast, um, and this originally was sort of like an off-the-record conversation that I was having, um, but it ended up being a really, really, I think, uh, great moment with the women. They were totally fine with me using this clip, so I want to I want to play that for you so you can hear for yourselves how these women are feeling. So listen to this. I'm the co-host of a podcast called Problematic Women. And the reason it's named Problematic Women is because we feel that the left views conservative women as problems that need to be fixed versus individuals worthy of discussion and debate. So would you say you you all identify as problematic women? Yes. <laughs> I think based on that definition. But, you know, frankly, I think I do think we have a responsibility to speak up even when we have a different point of view. And this is especially true for women. I think oftentimes women feel uncomfortable speaking out when they know they're going against what appears to be the grain. But the more you do, especially when you have a really firmly held view, the more you can help empower other people to do the same. And in this case, where we speak from personal knowledge and experience, we hope that we're empowering other people um, to understand that and to appreciate where we're coming from and at least respect that, the fact that we have a different point of view as women. Can I add something? Yeah. And, and, and I think we also feel strongly that um, women need to respect each other's different points of view and um, not expect that all women are going to see things the same way. And in this case, where we have actual personal knowledge, as hard as it may be to stand up, when it's the right thing to do and you feel it that strongly, people ought to respect it. Amen to that. I love that they identified as problematic women. They certainly are problematic women, uh, given today's debate. Uh, but one thing that I think is important to note is that a lot of the protests you see on the other side of this on Capitol Hill, so many of them are funded by left-wing donors and organizations. Or organized by Planned Parenthood exactly. and ACLU, they, which came out against Kavanaugh, which is insane for a civil rights organization <laughs> to do. But anyway... It's their full-time job to protest. And these women organize completely organically. They have no professional organization behind them. They're doing this simply because they think it is unfair what's happening to Brett Kavanaugh. And uh, they know him. They know his character. They know his temperament. And they are testifying to that. So what they did is uh, the group of... Over two dozen of them walked into the Senate today and they visited some of the senators' offices who are on the fence about whether or not they're going to vote to support Kavanaugh. And they handed their offices letters uh, 
testifying to that character, to his temperament. Um, and, and these are women who really actually know him. And they're saying the media coverage is a little unfair because so many people are going on TV and making accusations that don't actually know him. And they've known him for some of them for decades. Uh, and they think they have a right to be heard. So Daily Signal um, tried to do that. If you want to hear more from them, check out our full video. It's about 10 minutes long with them on the dailysignal.com. But Bree, I want to move on to what this means for the midterms. Um, is this good or bad for Republicans? How do you think this is going to play out in the polls? Well, we're already seeing swells among Republicans and conservatives, particularly among conservative women. You know, there was a giant I think you tweeted about this the other day about last election was decided by women, essentially. Right. And that Clinton world was so upset that women betrayed Hillary Clinton in air quotes um, and decided to vote for Donald Trump. Right. And I think that in this case, we're going to see that again, where women are going to decide this election again. And it's clear that we're saying that this is not going to be tolerated and that this is unacceptable. So a new Marist poll that just came out yesterday afternoon shows that the number of Republican women who say the upcoming election is very important increased by 12 percent since they were last polled asking these same questions in July. During that same period, enthusiasm among Democratic women fell by two points. So. This whole notion that a blue wave is coming that we've been hearing for the past two years, nonstop on every channel all the time. I think that I think the blue wave is over. And I think that Brett Kavanaugh and the way that he was treated, I think, ended that. I think the blue wave was coming. And I agree that this whole stop Kavanaugh campaign might have ended up stopping the blue wave. They overplayed their hands, and I think that they're going to see that in the November elections. I mean, we're seeing that playing out with, okay, Republican Senate races. I just wrote a piece on this this morning in several key states in Arizona, in Missouri, in North Dakota. Um, the Republicans gained ground in all of those states, right? And in Hyde Camps, uh, who's over in North Dakota, Heidi Heidkamp, who's a Democratic senator, Voters said that they overwhelmingly believed Brett Kavanaugh's testimony more than they believed Christine Ford's testimony last week. And they said that her decision, you know, to either back or not vote for Kavanaugh in the next confirmation vote is going to play really heavily in the way that, you know, they decide to vote for her this coming November. So I think that she needs to consider that. And I think that all of the other senators need to consider that as well. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a factor. She did just come out saying she is a no. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out in the polls. And I agree. I agree. um, You know, (laughs) I hope that sort of the women in the movable middle see what's really going on here. This blue wave was all started, I think, by the Women's March. You know what the Women's March did this week? They published all these pictures with GOP senators' faces on them that called them rape apologists. They are so extreme, so radical, so unfair to to all these senators to to slander their names and 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 you know, tell people they're rape apologists. I think it's really disgusting. And I'm hoping that women in the movable middle see this and we'll find out if it's reflected in the polls. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, talking about this lack of civility, 
that we've seen, which, you know what, I'm growing kind of sick of that word. But anyway, speaking of the lack of civility that we've seen um, as all this Kavanaugh drama has played out, MSNBC co-host Mika Brzezinski went after Kellyanne Conway on this morning's episode of the show. Uh, So over the weekend, Kellyanne Conway you know, kind of let it slip or it, it said that she herself had been a victim of sexual assault when she, you know, was talking about all this drama and some of the Sunday shows. So she let that slip. Mika Brzezinski decided to really dig in and demand that Kellyanne Conway share details about her sexual assault. Let's listen. Oh, my gosh. OK, well, women should be heard. And apparently they get treated like Fabergé eggs. So tell us your story. Who's your attacker? Who broke the law? Who hurt you? You seemed really uncomfortable when you let that slip out. Your voice got small. Your voice cracked. You had to clear your throat. You were really uncomfortable just saying, I am a victim of sexual assault. And you know what? I say that as a victim of sexual assault myself. So I want to ask, why can't you be the egg, Kellyanne? the Fabergé egg, and tell your story, because you say women should be heard. You talk out of both sides of your mouth. You say that women should be heard, their stories are believable or credible and understanding and compelling. Well, let's hear yours. That's very convenient to drop that, but I want to know your story. I want to know what happened. You should have justice. That's painful to watch. Yeah, and just her tone of voice there, you should have justice. It's almost like she's, she's mocking mo- her. In yes, a way. she is mocking her. Which she is everybody's mocking freaking her. out about President Trump's tone, right. which I I personally don't agree with. But there's so much hypocrisy here. First off, Kellyanne Conway is right that women should be heard if they want to be heard. Not everybody wants to share with the world their experience of sexual harassment or sexual assault. Kellyanne Conway has no obligation to tell anybody what happened to her. It did come up during an interview when the topic is is coming up. You know, if if she wants to share that, um, I think that is her decision and it's her decision how much or how little she wants to share. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is something else that When Sarah Huckabee Sanders, remember when she was asked by members of the press, like, have you ever been sexually assaulted on national television, you know, in front of a room full of reporters? I mean, that really crossed a line. And one of our writers over at The Federalist, Mary Catherine Ham, she talked about this as well when she was over at Fox working with Bill O'Reilly. And then all of that went down with him last year or two years ago now, I guess. Uh, people would come up to her and say, oh, yeah, you know, did anything ever happen with you and him? Did he ever try it was inappropriate or things like that? And it's like, that's really inappropriate for you to ask me that. And also, maybe I have a trauma associated with that where you bringing it up and asking me about that is going to, you know, be really traumatizing for me and really be upsetting. Right. So I think that being sensitive is always extremely important. And uh, her just complete lack of sensitivity there and just the rage that you can honestly hear the quiet, like toned down rage that you can hear in her voice, I think, you know, just really speaks to the way that a lot of people have been treating members or I should say conservative women or individuals on the right who have a story that's maybe not convenient for this larger political narrative that they're trying to push. 
That's what I was going to say. If this were a conservative or right-leaning anchor, I truly think her job would be on the line right now. This would be leading headlines. Um, the left would be freaking out. All the liberal activists involved with Me Too would be calling for boycotts, yeah. advertisement boycotts against the show. But because it's on MSNBC, she's allowed to say whatever she wants and get away with it. You know, I was talking to a male friend um, and this really ticked me off. So I was talking to a male friend last night who was talking about how much good the Me Too movement has done. And I think we can certainly all agree that Bill Cosby being locked up, uh, definitely a good thing after he was a serial rape, uh, you know, sex predator for years and years. Uh, definitely a win and a good thing that they have done. And I think we can all agree on that. But I think that we, you and I have been skeptical from the movement since almost its very beginning, right? It's been very clear that this is not a movement that's for all women. It's for women with a specific, you know, whose accusations further a specific political agenda. Anyway, I was talking to this male friend trying to explain all of this. And he's like, you know, um, uh, cause I had told him about how I was at a restaurant with my family when I was like 12 years old. And this guy came up to me and was just like being super creepy and weird to me when I'm 12. And I had no idea what was going on because I was 12 and then my dad kind of had to explain like, oh, he thought you were pretty and he's 40 years old and has a problem, right? Anyway, so my friend brought this up and was like, can you imagine this happening now? This would never happen to you now. And I was so furious because, uh, okay, after Me Too, Kelsey, have you been catcalled less? Have you been treated less inappropriately by men? Have men sexually harassed you less now that we have the Me Too movement, because I haven't noticed a difference there in terms of my personal experience and pretending like this movement is this giant saving grace for all women and that it's not politically motivated really pisses me off. I agree. And to answer your question, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have never faced any sort of sexual harassment or anything of the kind in the workplace. But I'll tell you on the streets, I think the everyday right. person, the everyday guy who's out there working is not catcalling any less. He really could care less about what's going on. Unfortunately, and that's that's because, you know, there's only certain people that are that are listening to um, this whole debate and the rest of them are just going about their daily lives and continuing their catcalling as they will. Um, okay. Let's also move on to this story. So a pro-life activist in Toronto was uh, on Sunday roundhouse kicked by a man simply who didn't like the fact that she was pro-life. We, right. have, we have some audio of this. You just have to hear this incident. But still, it's better to be, you want to kill them with kindness, remember? That's right. What? You're they actually filming. have people filming you the whole time. Which cool. is why I say kill with kindness. Guess what? Hey. Destruction somebody, of private property. It's against the law. somebody gets raped by somebody and they're like, I'm a 16 year old and I can't have this baby. Think you should keep it? It's a baby. Yeah. If someone was raped and she gave birth and she decided to kill her three-year-old child. Oh, I meant to kick your phone. Someone call the cops. Meant to kick your phone. Do not touch me. Someone call the cops. So in that instance, she's there uh, as part of a pro-life demonstration, 
and this guy comes up to them and is comes up with a sharpie marker and is coloring on people's signs and like defacing them and then at one point starts defacing people's clothing like going up and marking up their clothes and their jackets and different things like that so she's confronting him about it and then at that point he says that line about oh really you think a woman who you know who's been raped blah, blah. and then he just kicks her really hard in the shoulder and in the video you can see that she fell down and like lost control of her phone and then immediately afterwards he's like oh I just meant to kick your phone sorry didn't mean to kick you in the okay, shoulder first off you, people's hands are holding their phone yeah, so it's not like you're that... meaning to kick a phone you're meaning to kick someone's hand so their phone falls out of their hand um, so that's just not okay either way you can't kick anyone or and someone holding something um, but for a while after this incident, nothing happened. Finally, because his face was on video, uh, people found out where he oh, worked. Oh, did they identify him? They identified oh. him, and he was let go. Good. Lesson learned? Don't roundhouse kick people in the middle of the street because of their views on abortion. Yeah, especially not while they're filming you <laughs> with their cell phones. Maybe just think about that one for a hot second. All right. Well, let's also talk about perhaps the smartest woman in America who's not actually in America at the moment. That is Melania Trump, who escaped this madness that is happening this week to go on her first solo trip to Africa. So she touched down in Ghana this week um, and, and kicked off her trip with a visit to a hospital where she chatted with mothers and babies and passed out teddy bears and blankets that said be best on them. Throughout this week, she'll also be visiting Kenya, Egypt, and some other countries. So yeah, I think she's pretty smart. It's a good timing to really escape everything that's going on um see she is getting some criticism i guess if that's the right word for quote-unquote copying michelle obama because michelle obama took her first solo trip as first lady to africa i think it's a little ridiculous what do you think yeah i mean doesn't every first lady take trips to other countries and visit sick children is that kind of like part of your job uh, as first lady. I mean, I'm thinking specifically, I mean, Hillary Clinton did this in her capacity as first lady. So did Pat Nixon. Right. So this is kind of part of your job. Don't see where the criticism uh, is coming from logically there, but whatever. This is where things are now. It's 2018. (laughs) Welcome to America. Well, on that note, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will crown our problematic woman of the week. So this week's problematic woman is Kelly Paul. So the wife of Kentucky Senator Rand Paul penned an open letter to Democratic Senator Cory Booker for encouraging activists to, quote, get up in the face of Congress people. She says that her family has experienced violence and threats of violence over the past year at a horrifying level and called on the senator to retract his statement supporting such harassment. So her remarks came just a week after three Republican senators were doxxed, which means their personal information, like, you know, their address, where they live, um, their phone numbers and emails and things like that were put on their Wikipedia pages. Um, And, you know, the Senate leaked, I'm sorry, so all their personal information was leaked on their Wikipedia pages by someone who is working for Democratic Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. 
And I believe that Staffer formerly worked at Mac, in Maxine Waters' office, if if I remember correctly from yeah, what so I read. This is part of the weird side of that story. So he's an intern, but he's 27 years old. That makes no sense. Right. Like, how are you a Hill intern when you're 27 and you've been paid by other congressional staffers? One of our other writers was looking like on Legistorm where you can see, you know, their salaries and different things like that. And I, I can't remember which member he was paid by. I think it was Maxine Waters' office. Um, but but he has been receiving a salary from various Congress people at various points of time. So it's just, I don't know, are they trying to distance it now? Is intern like this interesting title that they gave this person who, I don't know. I don't know what the full story is there, but it seems odd. I want to know more too, because I find it hard to believe that this young staffer would just do that on their own with nobody higher up encouraging them to do so. Yeah. I mean, maybe, and maybe he did act on his own, but if you zoom out and look at the larger picture of what's been going on here, Congress people Democratic Congress people specifically have been calling for their constituents and for people on the left to get in people's faces, right, to act uh, in ways that are almost bordering on violence. They've been encouraging it. Right. And this happened just after Ted Cruz and his wife were cornered in that restaurant in D.C. Right. So it's like you're seeing I, I don't think that these two things just happened in a vacuum by themselves. Right. This is an individual who's a Democrat. He's been encouraged by the highest levels of his own party to do things like this and get in their faces and follow them everywhere. Right. So he's just trying to help out and say, here, here's their phone numbers. Here's their addresses. Get in their faces. This was very unusual for the wife of a senator to write an open letter. It was published in CNN. I give her a lot of credit for doing so. And you can just almost feel the fear that she's facing right now in reading the letter. I encourage you all to go check it out. Um, I think it's a really unfortunate time. And, you know, Brie, I know you don't like the word, but civility, there's <laughs> there's just not it's not that any, I don't like any it. of it. There's not yeah. any of it right now. And I do hope that reporters put Cory Booker on the line to respond to this letter because I do think he needs to retract that statement given the level of harassment that we've seen against Republican members of Congress these days. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our show for this week. And for the record, I do like civility. <laughs> I'm just tired of, I guess, hearing that word, right? Because I think a lot of times the people that throw that word around... Um, are people who don't quite get the full picture. Cough, cough, Ben Sass. Anyway, <laughs> that wraps up our show this week. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic woman, please let us know. You can follow all of my work over at thefederalist.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton or on Instagram if that's more of your jam over at BC Payton. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal. And on Twitter, at Kelsey J. Harkness. Since we're promoting Instagram, I guess I'll out myself, at Capital Yoga Girl. I have a secret yoga life um, that's really fun, and I need it to keep me sane and covering all of this mess that is this <laughs> these past couple weeks. So yeah, at Capital Yoga Girl, go give me a follow. Thank you all for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate your support. And we really appreciate any um, you leaving us a rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we also appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and for supporting strong conservative women who are trying to stand up for America's culture. Absolutely. And we can't forget, we're produced by Lauren Evans over at The Daily Signal, who you can follow over on Twitter at Lauren E. Liz Evans. Thank you all and have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>